we're going to be in the book of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, we began this, uh, started this text uh, last, well, this past Sunday night, and I'm going to finish it this evening, Daniel chapter 3. I haven't really done this before where I, on Sunday and Wednesday nights, um, kind of do the same series, but I, I, it, it has helped me in a lot of ways to kind of stay fresh because I'm just jumping from, uh, from one right into the next. I'm not taking a big break between, and, uh, and uh, so the study has been, has been beneficial for me personally, and I hope it'll be help to you tonight. Daniel chapter 3. Let's go ahead and stand out of respect for God's word. Um, if you remember the last time we were here, we looked at the first part of the account. And uh, this, it's when uh, the three, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were tested to bow before the image. And they told the king very clearly. In verse, let's start in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Uh, it's with the song we sang tonight, he is able to deliver thee. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, but if he doesn't deliver us, is the idea, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men, that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. And he answered, he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. I love that phrase. Nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god 
except their own God. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. He's a kind of an extreme fella, isn't he? He's like, we're going to burn you if you don't bow. We're going to cut you in pieces if you say anything bad about their God. And their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Wow. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I love the, the story tonight. The account, it's not just a story, it's a true biblical historical account. Really happened. And I wish it could have been there. Uh, to see it happen. But tonight we're just going to be talking about standing the heat. Standing when the heat rises, will you be standing? Let's pray and ask God to help us. Lord, we need you. Pray that you bless the reading of your word. I thank you for your people's faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now we know the background, the context. If you were here Sunday night, uh, then then you, I've already gone through this. God's hand was clearly already on these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had taken a stand with purpose. They had refused to, to partake of the king's meat and the king's wine. And God had blessed them to be ten times better than their peers because of their stand for purpose. They were elevated positions of honor. They, were, they had positions of authority. And they had also been involved in seeking the Lord after Nebuchadnezzar's dream. When he said, I don't just want the interpretation... You better tell me the dream or you're all dead. And Daniel said, give me a night to pray about it. It was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that got on their faces before God and sought him and got an answer from God. So Nebuchadnezzar's already had an experience with these three young men. His experience has been positive. And, and you would think that after they were lifted up and, and exalted like they were, that things would get better. And just when they thought that things were going to be easy, along comes a test. Nebuchadnezzar builds a 90-foot statue. It's made of pure gold from head to toe. And, and to test the loyalty of his subjects, he said, I, I, I'm going I'm to set this up in the plane. All of you come out. The herald said, when the music plays, you must bow down to the image. Oh, and by the way, if you don't bow, I'm going to burn you to a crisp. I mean, this, is, this guy is serious. He's an intense guy. The music plays. Everyone bows except for these three young men. They knew that bowing to an idol was a direct breaking of God's commandment in Exodus 20. It says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. God made it very clear. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Don't bow to any, any image. There's no image that could accurately reproduce or, or convey the image of God. He is unconveyable in, in, a, in an image or physical form. And, and they knew it was a breaking of commandment. And it didn't really matter to them that they were threatened with their lives if they didn't bow. That's how serious they are about their principles. I, I wish that we could be that serious about the things we believe in. We, we, we too easily compromise on things that we ought not compromise on. And these young men, as a good example for us, they, they, were, they stood strong. Um, these busybody Babylonians who, who went and tattled about them not, not bowing down, um, you know, that makes me upset that they, would, that they would be that concerned about these three young boys who didn't bow. And I believe there was probably some jealousy there. 
that these three young men had been promoted to positions of honor and influence. And so, and they said, these guys who you said over important positions, Nebuchadnezzar, in some ways indicting him about this, said they don't even worship your God. So Nebuchadnezzar calls them in and, and he confronts them and he, he actually gives them, I believe he approaches them with some patience because he says, listen, I'm, I'm going to give you another chance. If, if the music plays and you will bow, everything's good. We'll try this again. All will be forgiven. All you have to do is bow. And they say very clearly in the verses we started with, we will not bow. And I love their resolve. They, they could have bowed. They could have gone on just living the easy life. But they decided that living like a Babylonian wasn't living at all. They looked at the two options they had. They had death right here. It could be that they die in a fiery furnace. And over here they had, well, deliverance from death. But we have to live like a Babylonian. So I could, I could live for God and, and, and experience death. Or I could live like the Babylonians and just go on living and be delivered. And they chose this one. They said, I, that's not living at all. I'd rather know God and go through the hardships and go through the difficulties than just live like the Babylonians and, and, and have my life not make a difference or have any influence at all. They chose to live over here because that's not living. You say, well, that's great. You know, you took a stand and, and things are going to get easy, but that's not, that's not always what happens. There will be times where you take a stand and, and you have to go through a hardship. In fact... I really believe that most of the time when you stand for God, it adds difficulties to our lives. And you say, well, you know, not for me. Well, maybe in America this, it's a little different than it has been for, throughout the rest of world history. But in just about every other culture, if you truly take a stand as a child of God for God, your life is hard. And, and we see it happening here, verse 19 after they say, we will not bow, look what the king says. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against the three young men. He's so furious that the Bible says his visage, his, his, the expression on his face changes. Which I believe, it goes back to, when he was talking to them before, he was saying, now listen guys. Almost like a stern father. You know, hey guys, now Listen. I told you to bow and you didn't bow, but we're going to play the music again and the, the, uh, the instrument's going to play and, 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 and if you will bow, then all is forgiven. But if not, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. You ever have your dad tell you something like that? Like, in a, you know, a stern father? See, I, I believe when it says his visage changed, it means that at first he wasn't full of fury. He, I believe he was, a, he was being patient because he respected these young men. He was being patient because they had a good testimony. He was being patient. But when they said right to his face, we will not bow, his visage changes. His expression changes. And, and, he, and he goes from, you know, stern father to, you know, throwing a fit in the aisle at Walmart toddler. You know, he's throwing a fit. He's full of fury. His visage changes. He's upset. He's not happy. And he's so mad that he tells his, his, his men, he says, Therefore he spake in verse 19, the last half, it says, And commanded that they should heat the furnace 
won seven times more than it was wont to be heated. It was known to be heated a certain amount of, uh, of heat, a certain temperature, and he said, I want it seven times hotter. Now, it doesn't, I don't believe that means literally seven times hotter. It's a figure of speech like we would say, yeah, it was a thousand times colder today than it was yesterday. We might say something like that. It's not literally a thousand times colder or we wouldn't be here tonight. But, but maybe it, it's going to feel a thousand times colder this weekend, by the way, literally. So just be ready. No, you know, he's making a point. He says, I want it seven times hotter. I want it a thousand times hotter. I want it to burn. I want it to make, I want to make a point. I want people to see this. I want to make an example of these three young men. You see, he's not just exacting judgment. He's exacting vengeance. This is a personal offense to King Nebuchadnezzar. And it's such an accurate picture of life. When you take a stand for God, okay? When I say take a stand for God, I mean you do right even when the pressure says don't do right. When you take a stand for God, guess what? The heat's going to get cranked up. The heat will get turned up. The more you stand, the hotter it gets. The more you stand, the more people will be mad that you're standing. The stronger you stand, the more people are going to hate you. You say, well, I don't believe that. Except that Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. This is a biblical principle. If you stand for right, if you do right, if you stand for God, you are going to feel the heat. Peter said this, Beloved, in 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, Peter said it's, it's not strange that you're feeling the fire. It's not strange that you feel the heat. That happens when you stand for God. Don't be surprised when doing right raises the heat. I was just reading about some examples that, you know, we know who, what Hobby Lobby is in 2012. Hobby Lobby faced potential fines, serious fines, for not complying with the Affordable Health Care Act under the Obama administration. And the reason that they opposed Obamacare was that it required them to provide insurance that supported abortion. And, and under the mandate by the Department of Health and Human Services, they were required to provide uh, the uh, morning after pill and the week after pill. And David Green, who's the CEO of Hobby Lobby, it's it's, uh, it's based there in Oklahoma City. He said these abortion-causing drugs go against our faith and our family is now being forced to choose between following the laws of the land that we love or maintaining the religious beliefs that have made our business successful and have supported our family and thousands of our employees and their families. We simply cannot abandon our religious beliefs to comply with this mandate. And that I would say amen. He's a Christian man it's a Christian company, and, and God brought them through that. But, but they were literally, I remember, they were literally considering closing the company because they were being forced to comply with something that went against their religious beliefs. Uh, this has happened many, many times, but there was a man in, in Colorado, Jack Phillips. Uh, he opened Masterpiece Bake Shop in 1993 in Lakewood, Colorado, and as a Christian, he committed that he would not, from the very outset, that he wasn't going to make certain cakes for certain events if they violated his faith. For example, he wouldn't make cakes in celebration of Halloween. In 2012, then, 
um, David Mullins and Charlie Craig requested that Phillips bake them a cake for their upcoming wedding after um, then gay marriage was legalized in our country. And when he refused uh, to make the cake based on his belief in Genesis 1.27 that God made one man and one woman, woman and only those two, a man and a woman, that's the only way to have a biblical marriage. We believe that as well because we believe the Bible. But because he believed that, then under the Colorado Civil Rights Commission, they ruled that in the favor of these two men, and they accused Phillips of discrimination. And in 2018, thankfully, the Supreme Court ruled in Phillips' favor. But, that, but the case and its aftermath demonstrate that there's an increasing pressure, and it's mounting on those who would stand for God and do right and don't think it's going to get better. This is a culture in which the heat is cranking up. If you choose to live a life that reflects the God of the Bible in a culture like ours, you're going to find yourself facing the heat. I mean, if you try to set as a family, if you say we're going to try to set certain standards as a family, and listen, I'm not preaching standards as much as I am giving you an example of what happens when you preach standards. Now, I believe that standards are okay, and I'm not the kind of pastor that says we are, we're not allowed to preach standards and, and we don't have these certain high bars. Well, I mean, holiness is a high bar. You know, you, we can't say that, that we can be holy and it, doesn't, and it doesn't change anything about the way we live. It ought to. And so standards are important and I'll let, you, I'll let you as a family decide those that's up between you and the Lord. But there are some families in this room that have decided to make a standard, take a stand as a family and your extended family does not like it. They don't agree with the way that you're living. They don't agree with the way that you're raising your children. Uh, they, and, and, and really honestly, you feel the heat. When you're around your family, you feel the heat. And that's not easy. I, I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it happens probably to just about every family in here on some level. You're standing for the Lord at work. If you're an employee in a, in a secular environment, and you're going to have to decide if you're going to be part of those conversations. If you're going to be part of those jokes. If you're going to partake when, the, when everyone else goes out for a drink after work, you're going to have to decide if you're going to be in that crowd or not. And as you stand up or stand alone, you're going to stand out. It's just part of it. Just, I mean, even just telling the truth. If you're a person that simply tells the truth. Now, by the way, we ought to tell the truth in love. And there's never an excuse to tell the truth and be hateful about it. We have truth. I believe you have truth that you can help somebody with. Don't ever be condescending about it or full of pride as you tell it. Going to tell the truth, do it with humility and acknowledge that it could be you in the situation, in the person's shoes that you're telling the truth to. But if you just tell the truth in our culture, you're going to get some grief. I mean, everyone's allowed to have their own opinions and their own stands unless your opinions align with the Bible. Then you're not allowed to state your opinion. You know, then you're not allowed to speak out. And I'm telling you, uh, our, our culture, our, our, our country has been a founded on Christian principles. We know that it's been connected to the God of the Bible from its inception. Um, but, but we're not there anymore. And it's getting worse and worse. I don't know that we've seen it escalating since I believe around 2008. 
is when things really got worse and worse. And here we are. And if we're going to stand for right, there will be a time, I believe, in our culture, in our country, that this church, just standing on the, on the things we've always stood on, is going to put, uh, put, draw a line in the stand for some of our church members. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face the heat. If you decide to stand up, you will face the heat. It's getting cranked up. And we need to be prepared for it. I preached a message a few years ago out of the book of Nehemiah and dealt with this very thing that as soon as you start to do right, here there's a target on your back. I showed a picture of a far side cartoon with a deer and it had a bullseye tattoo on its chest. And, and, uh, or not a tattoo, a birthmark. And, uh, and his friend looks at him and says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. You know, it's a deer with a, with a bullseye. You know, when you do right, you have a target. The enemy sees it, and like uh, one of the men prayed tonight, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is not physical. Our enemy, it's a spiritual enemy. And, and I'm telling you, he is targeting us. And, and that's what is happening right here. The others, they saw them standing, those, those Babylonian tattletales. They saw them standing, and they run to Nebuchadnezzar to tattle because you can't stand up without standing out. And the other night, I, I had these three young men remain standing. Everyone else sat down. And you couldn't help but notice the, the young men left standing. If you're going to take a stand, if you're going to stand up, you will stand out. But that's the Christian life. Understand that's the way it goes. If Jesus had blended in, we wouldn't still be talking about him 2,000 years later. No, he decided to take a stand against the, the, re, the religious traditionalists. And, and he stood out because of it. And he was crucified for it. Verse 20 says, then when Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and I'm sorry, verse 20, and he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose, and which is just another a term for like a tunic that they would have worn and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding, exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, that's incredible. They threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, bound, fully dressed, clothes and all. And it was so hot that the men that took them up into the furnace, they died from the heat. And it, this is a, basically the idea, the reason that this matters is this was a legitimately hot fire. This was not like, okay, well, you know, the Bible says it was really hot, but we don't know. No, it was so hot that the men who just went to the door of the furnace, they died. That's how we know this is a miracle. Because it was a genuinely hot furnace that would have killed any normal person under any other normal circumstance. Anybody watching this would have said, well, they're gone. Those dumb kids should have bowed. It makes what happens next all the more amazing when you realize the, hot, the fire really was that hot. Because when you stand for God, yes, it cranks up the heat. But when you stand for God, it also puts you in a position to glorify God. Verse 23, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They were bound when they were thrown in, by the way, which is another example of the fact that this is a miracle because they were bound. They, were, they, they wouldn't have been able to run away. They, were, they, were, they would have ensured 
they were insured to be burned up because they couldn't even move. They were bound. They had no possibility of escape. You know, all of the excuses that maybe a critical uh, person would say about this text are being removed. Because it was a genuinely hot fire. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't just run away because they were bound. All the excuses for the miracle, uh, against the miracle are removed. They are literally bound in a hot, fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar looks down and expects them to see just black charcoal where the bodies were. That's not so. Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire and something isn't right. He's astonished. Is the word astonied or astonied? Why? It's amazing that anyone could survive 10 seconds in a fire this hot when others died at the door. And yet Nebuchadnezzar looks in verse 24. The Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonied and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, Duh. Yeah, you were there. True, O king. He answered and said, okay, well, you guys better look because I see four loose and they're not bound, they're loose. So he, he noticed they're not still bound. They're walking around. And for some reason, as I was studying this, I imagined them playing badminton. I don't know why. Just, they were just like doing, they're like hanging out. It has no effect on them. They're just hanging out and, and he sees the fourth one and he says, and the fourth one there looks like the son of God. Now you tell me, who could have revealed that to Nebuchadnezzar? Well, only the Holy Spirit, only God could have given him that insight because I really believe this was the son of God. It's a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and, and this revelation is just inherently known to him and that's why I believe that, that you know, we all have a part of us that recognizes that there's a God. Because here's Nebuchadnezzar, an unsaved man, and he looks through the fire, through the flames, and just the image of the fourth man, he says, inherently, he says, that's God. That's not a normal person. And I believe Jesus Christ showed up and walked with them in the midst of their trial. And here's a great takeaway here tonight. When the heat gets turned up, the Lord doesn't head out. He walks in. When the heat gets turned up, the Lord doesn't head out. He walks in. And this is a truth we often miss, though. Because we say, well, hey, man, I'm going to put that on Facebook. It's a good one. I mean, you can't. But you just have to quote me if you do. So, no, but here's the, uh, here's the underlying truth there. Is we think that standing for God means we're going to standing for God means we're spared from trouble, but that's not true. See, God could deliver us from the trial; He most certainly could. But He can also, and here's the greater miracle: He can miraculously sustain and strengthen us in the trial. See, it's one thing to be delivered from it, but it's even greater. I really believe it's a greater miracle that God could give grace. To his children when everyone else thinks there's no way you can survive this. And yet you've been around people and I've been around people that are facing the darkest moments of their lives. And they have inner peace because God's grace is sustaining them in a miraculous way. Not from the fire, in the fire. The psalmist said, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in 
trouble. He doesn't promise to keep us out of the trial. He promises to walk with us in the trial. And it's like the English martyr who said as he was burned at the stake, Behold, ye look for miracles. Here now you may see a miracle. For in this fire I feel no more pain than as if I were in a bed of down, but it is to me as a bed of roses. When you have the presence of the Lord, it doesn't matter how high the flames. Because His grace is always greater. And when you face the heat standing for God, He is faithful to sustain you. Listen, these young men, they came out of that fire unharmed. They didn't even come out, on, they didn't even come out smelling like fire. There's, I mean, few things smell worse than like burning hair. And nobody could smell them. It had no power over their bodies. I love that phrase. It's an amazing statement. Fire usually impacts the human body. If you've ever touched a flame, then you know that. If you've ever been burned, then you know that. And yet here's God in the middle of it. He doesn't deliver them from it. They have to still go through the flames. But in the middle of the flames, the fire has no power over their bodies. And there's not very many of us in here tonight, but I'm excited about that. No power over their bodies. God did something that can only have been ascribed to be supernatural here. Can you imagine what the princes and the governors said as they watched them come out with not a hair singed? No fire smell? See, here's where God gets the glory. See, when we stand for him, it gives him an opportunity to miraculously prove to others watching that he is greater than the trial. And only... He can get credit for a miracle like this. But understand, he can only get credit if you go in the flames. See, Nebuchadnezzar recognized it had to be their God. He gives credit to the Most High God, even though this wasn't his God. No, he recognizes the superiority of their God over the God he serves. And how interesting that his question, back up in verse 15, look at it. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, okay, we can do that. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He asked the question, and guess what? He got the answer. It was Nebuchadnezzar's God that could deliver them out of his hands. It was Nebuchadnezzar, I'm sorry, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God. Boy, that felt a lot better in my head. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God that delivered them out of Nebuchadnezzar's hand. And you talk about an answer to your question just like that. God answers this question almost before Nebuchadnezzar can even think about, um, think about it again. He's already answering this. When you find yourself in a flame, listen, give God the opportunity to sustain you. Don't try to run out of it because it, because it could be that in sustaining you, that's how he receives the most glory. Just a few applications here. God only received glory from those who, didn't, who did not bow. It was only the ones who stood that God got glory from. Were there other Jews in this company? Probably. I would think so. But only the ones who did not bow brought glory to God. 
Listen, standing for God gives him an opportunity to show himself. And if you want God to receive glory from your life, stand for God and stand for truth. And I know it's hard and I know you feel like you're all alone. And I know you don't want to be unliked and you don't want to be the outcast at work. You don't want to be the outcast at school. But I'm telling you, if you will take a stand for God, he always proves himself. Another application is this. God preserves us in the fire. I've already mentioned it. Not just from the fire. And there will be times that you're spared from a heartache and you ought to thank God for it. But when you aren't and you're in the middle of the flames, find a way to be thankful for the trial because it is God that allowed it. And it is God who will miraculously sustain you through it. It makes you dependent and it puts you in a position to learn something you would have missed otherwise. Are you facing some heat as a result of a stand? Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's at work. Kids, maybe it's at school. Is it, maybe it's in your finances. I mean, you, you've put God first and it's created some heat because, you know, you've, you've been giving now. And your finances are a little bit tighter than they used to be. Hey, I'm telling you, that's a flame that God wants you in. He will prove himself. He's done it for me. He's done it for people in this room that have given for years. And when, the, when it gets tighter and tighter and the flames are growing higher, I'm telling you, when you if you're putting God first, he, for some, some way, he always makes it work out. Be thankful for the heat, folks. Because it's through the heat that God is glorified and we are transformed. And if there's no heat, it could be that you're not taking any stands. And I want you to notice one more application here. They stood together. You know, I, we are more likely to remain standing if we lock arms with people around us. Here's what I see a lot of times in our church family. You know, the heat, the heat raises, it rises. It gets hot. There's a, there's a trial. There are difficulties and a lot of times in, in our church family, and I mean, just a Christian, this is how human response is. We say, well, I'm in, a, I'm in a fiery trial. I just want to be left alone. And rather than get closer to the people that will help you stand, you start to back away from the people who care the most about you. And in leaving the people behind that care the most about you, now you don't have anyone to hold you up when you're about to fall down. And it is no wonder that the people at Eastside Baptist Church going through the fire, going through the trial, in the middle of it, the ones that pull away from their church family are the ones who are no longer left standing. And we've got to be mindful of this because it could happen to any of us. If you're going to remain standing, you need to do it with other people. You're not meant to stand alone, especially in a fire. You have friends, you have support right here. Embrace it. Your church is essential to your stand for God. Last week we were getting back from vacation and on, on I call it vacation, it was more like a drive-cation, you might call it. And we got back on Friday around noon and we walked in the house and Erin turned the heat on and she was like, it doesn't feel like it's warming up. And in my mind I'm like, you know what? You're always cold, come on. We've been in California, you've already acclimated, you're just, come on. Well, sure enough, I go to the thermostat, I'd left it down a little bit while we were gone and turned it up and nothing was happening and 
And so I, I went down to the furnace and I started, I got a screwdriver because that's what I see people do when they work on stuff. Started messing around with it and uh, YouTube is a miracle and uh, helped me, walk me through this process of trying to get our furnace back up and running. After a few hours, I will have to, not any credit, all glory goes to God, the furnace was working again. So um, I, I just was lucky, I'm pretty sure, but no, I had to spend a few hours on it, work coming back. You know, some people might say, but heat comes with a cost. You know, if you'd have just left that thing off all winter, you'd have a lot more money to spend on things you want to spend money on. And I also would, I would also be divorced, I think, but because <laughs> my wife likes it warm, okay? Well, it's true, but listen, the benefits of the heat outweigh the costs of the heat. You know, the cost of the heat is in finances, but the benefits of the heat is comfort and honestly safety when it gets too cold or even your health. And here's what I'm saying. Embrace the heat because the benefits outweigh the costs. And I don't just mean in your furnace, I mean in your life. And some of you, you're going through the heat right now and it's raising and you think it's not worth it. Now I'm telling you, it is only in the times of heat that God can miraculously prove himself as our sustainer and strength. And if you didn't need him, you wouldn't turn to him. But when you're in the middle of the flame, you recognize I've got nothing else to lean on. I must have you, Lord. And I know it's difficult, but in the end, you learn about God's sustaining grace. And God receives the glory that he deserves. I'm telling you, it's a win-win. Embrace the heat. Because the benefits far outweigh the costs. And it may feel hard, but the heat produces something invaluable later. Don't run from the heat. And you'll find your faith growing and you'll find God's glory increasing. Earlier I read 1 Peter 4. I'm just going to close with this. I didn't read the second part of the verse or the second verse. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Just listen. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. As though some strange thing happened unto you. As if you're the only one. But Peter says, but rejoice. Rejoice in the flames. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. And what Peter was saying is, when you suffer for God's sake, you're partaking in the sufferings of Jesus Christ, the one who went before us. And the result of his suffering was salvation. So Peter's basically saying, don't assume the flames have no good effect. Because you'll embrace the flames. In the end, you'll be rejoicing. Because you grow and transform and God receives the glory. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know how hot the fire is. But tonight I want to just say embrace the heat. Because it's only in embracing the heat that you get the benefits from the heat. Let's stand together. We'll have a verse of uh, invitation. We'll just have the piano play tonight and uh, give you an opportunity to respond to the truth. Are you going through some flames? Do you feel the fire rising? If you are, don't run from it. No, run to God in the middle of it. <laughs> he always promises to sustain us and he's got everything we need right in the middle of it. 
And you can't find the miraculous strength and sustenance of God if, you, if you're not in the flames. That's where you find it most true. So embrace it. Father, we need you. Pray that you'd help us tonight to respond in a way that pleases you. In Jesus' name, amen.